Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is episode 60. So if you head over to the AustralianSeller.com forward slash 060, you get all the show notes. And on today's show, we welcome Max, who's a seven-figure Amazon seller. So that's over a million dollars a year selling, uh, living quietly here in Melbourne in Australia. And Max actually used to be an IT guy. So he was troubleshooting, fixing computers and networks, that sort of thing, until he discovered Amazon, I think back in about 2015 or so. And his dream was pretty simple. I just want to make money while I sleep, which to paraphrase, I suppose, means that he really wanted to stop trading his time for money. So like most people, he did a bit of a dodgy course, learned the ropes and quickly hit it out of the park with his first product in the kitchen category, which is you know quite lucky. And uh, today, as I said, Max is turning over about a million bucks a year or more and uh, mainly selling out of the USA, but he also sells in Europe and a bit in Australia as well. So today we talk about how he was able to scale up so quickly and about the Chinese work ethic, uh, I don't know, the recent round of Trump tariffs and strategies for that, as well as sourcing from outside of China like India uh, and other other countries. So actually speaking of India, you should join me there and a few others in October for a week sourcing trip in New Delhi. It's at the Delhi Fair. Uh, I think the dates are between, in fact, I know that the dates are between the 14th and the 20th of October. So you're staying in a five-star hotel. All the meals are provided. There's over 3,000 exhibitors at the show. So there'll be sort of workshops about which products to source from India and from where and what marketplaces um, are popular for some of those products and certainly Amazon marketplaces and so on and so forth. Um, Now, don't forget, if you need some private coaching and if you'd like to book a time with me to chat privately, just shoot me a message over at chris at christhomas.com.au. And this week, actually tonight and tomorrow, today I'm recording on Wednesday. So tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, the the 30th and 31st of May 2019, I'll be at the Retail Global event this week. So I'll be there with Kelly. We're actually helping out on a couple of... Amazon Injection Labs. So grab your last minute tickets by heading over to Retail Global. And if you want to use TASRG as your coupon code, you'll get a pretty good discount. So uh, head over there. Now, don't forget to join the Australian Seller family over on Facebook. So you just have to head over to the AustralianSeller.com forward slash Facebook. But let's get on with the show. But before we do that, let's first tune into X Boom Crash Opera's Richard Pleasance with Don't Cry from the fantastic Galleon album. And welcome back to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast today. I'm thrilled to welcome Max. Max AU, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> hey Chris, how are you going man? Very well. I'm hoping to uh, maybe just kick things off as I usually do with, can you give us a bit of your personal background and what got you into selling on Amazon? Right. Okay. So um, I run an IT business here in, in Australia and uh, I've, I've been doing my own business for the last uh, seven years. Uh, even before that, I was, I was always in IT. I'm coming from the systems background, you know, servers, uh, networks and that sort of stuff. And um, what motivated me to get into uh, this Amazon, uh, this was like 2016, end of 2016, where I actually launched my first product. Um, cool. was the fact that I could make money when I'm sleeping. 
Um, mm-hmm. What I found was that uh, when I was working in my IT business, I was only getting uh, paid if I actually worked on something. You know, like if mm-hmm. I if I'm spending time in front of the computer fixing a problem or the server or cloud installations, etc. So uh, the value of my uh, my time was, I guess, directly proportionate to the money I'm going to make. That's right. And, and uh, this, uh, you know, sort of gave me an opportunity to to look at another uh, way to make money. And that's how we started. Like, not much hope. I wasn't thinking of doing it full time or, you know, even growing it to the point that we are at the moment. But it was just, just started, like, over having a conversation with a friend and uh, on how we make money online and he told me amazon and because we are in australia we we hadn't we always thought that amazon was a you know place where you buy books and Mm. uh and he was telling me about fba and all that and i was like whoa you know Mm. what the heck is fba you know and he was oh you got to do this course and that course i was like okay uh you know that's did you do any courses did you did you actually do a course yeah, I did. Um, I enrolled into um, a one-on-one uh, coaching with uh, with with a big firm that uh, you know should shall remain nameless because okay. they, didn't, they didn't deliver on it. I paid about oh. five five grand um, uh, USD for the course. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, and and uh, then uh, like they were teaching me the basics, the very basic stuff, like how do you create your listing and how do you create a shipping plan and I, I'm already coming from an IT background you know I'm set, I'm setting up servers and all that every day I, I can read instructions myself yeah. uh, but that's all they had to offer and whereas I wanted more like ninja tactics and all that but I found that they didn't know anything like that so yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess a lot of uh, you know things that I, I learned was going over uh, Scott Walker's uh, Mm. you know sessions at the, the time seller. Yeah, yeah the amazing seller yeah they were very popular mm. and I was uh while I was doing that other course, five thousand dollars, I went to uh, uh, Guangzhou for the Canton Fair, and there, someone told me that you know this is amazing seller podcast is mm. is good, and I I just you know happened to listen to it, and and uh, then I was doing like five or so um, you know audios uh, every day. I mean, five five or support podcasts uh, every day, uh, going through mm. it and making the points and all that. So that, that's how I basically learned it. But there was others, you know, there's others I learned from as well, not just Scott. That sounds cool. So did mm. you actually, you know, that first product that you mentioned that you launched at the end of 2016, was that actually sourced from the Canton Fair? Yes, actually it was. Um, uh, it was just, um, yeah, it was just, uh, happened to go through the aisles of the Canton Fair and, uh, mm. and we just connected with the supplier um, it was a kitchen, uh, product and we just, you know, checked the sales at the same time. It, it seemed like it would be worth a shot. There was not many sellers selling it back then, like now yeah. they are. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and we just, um, we just ordered it, uh, I guess. I mean, we, the plan was initially, uh, to launch in, uh, in June or something, but I think we just got, um, there was this mm-hmm. thing where a big shipping company went broke. It was a, uh, Korean mob. I can't remember the That's name right. of them now. Yeah, forgotten too. Yep, and yeah. uh, like our, uh, you know, very first product was uh, locked up during that time, and we, ah. we we couldn't get it for two two three months until they decided to you know let it go and pay the fees and whatnot. But that was the first launch. It was launched around October, I believe, or September October okay. around that time. Did and it do it right? uh, yeah, I was sold out. Like before we even hit those, uh, you know, Black Friday and uh, 
Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday uh, mm-hmm. sales. Um, and I had only ordered, uh, regretfully now, <laughs> I only ordered 1,000 <laughs> 1, units of it. So it was uh, very quick. Like started selling five units a day, then, uh, you know, 10, 15, then it went to like, you know, 70, 80 units a day. It was like oh gone, gone in no time. Wow. Is, was it easier to, to launch products back then in 2016 than it is today? It seems a lot harder now. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Now it's a lot more sellers, I guess. Um, yeah. You got to use different strategies and um, all that sort of stuff. I mean, back then there was not a huge uh, number of reviews that you were fighting with as well, I guess. Uh, but now you come across all those, you know, black hat sellers and stuff like that. I have got a lot of reviews and yeah, so mm. it's different. And, and, you know, going back 2012, I'm told it was even a lot easier. You would just launch anything and Glory get days. a home run. Yeah. 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 Yep. You didn't even need, need to, up, <laughs> to do an optimized listing back then. I think you just needed a picture and a title and maybe one bullet and you had cooked. That was it. You were on. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Can I ask what your monthly numbers look like today? I mean, we're now three years into your Amazon journey, or not even that. Um, you know, yep. we're recording this in May of 2019. So, what what what, what are we looking at now? I personally don't look at a monthly number so much, but I, I know yearly, like since um, you know maybe early last year, we're doing like seven figures. So it's only going up uh, consistently. Um, it could have been a lot better, but we do have some, you know, unforeseen out of stock, uh, issues yeah. and all that. So yes, seven figures, uh, yearly at the moment. Holy moly. And what, how many SKUs, how many products do you have in that seven figure uh, kind of world? Not many, <laughs> only, uh, I've only got like, uh, 12, 13 thereabouts, maybe a little bit more, maybe 15. That's amazing. Thereabouts. Gosh. So what's your strike rate then? Like, you know, in terms of you launch, you've, you've sourced a product, you found a product, you've done your research, you've sourced it, you've done your listings, you've launched it. How often do new products that you launch actually, you know, hit a home run? Because it sounds like you've got 12 home runs there with, with these SKUs. That's amazing. Oh, look, we, we've had some, uh, you know, products that didn't do uh, well as well. So it just depends on on the kind of product. But uh, when I, uh, because from my IT background that I have, I'm always sort of mm. aiming at perfection, you know, perfect listing, perfect everything. Mm. So the chances of failure are much less and uh, a solid marketing uh, plan before launch. So, um, yeah, so I guess 80% um, of the money we make is from 20% of the products. So I did some statistics yeah. last time and, um, and some of the products that we launched um, only you know, less, um, last year, I think we launched uh, one item that is, uh, you know, in that 20% of the products and it's doing like 70, 80 sales uh, a day at the moment. So, which is, which is, you know, good money, I guess. Yeah. That's awesome. um, yeah, yeah. Depending on the margin, of course. So yep, yeah, absolutely. Well, what, what, <laughs> what advice do you have for new sellers who are starting out and what kind of budget do you, th- I mean, what did you start with in terms of your budget? Obviously you had your $5,000 on the course and then, you know, there was some mm-hmm. other stuff, but you needed to invest some money to buy this first product um, that you sourced, this kitchen mm-hmm. product. What, what sort of budget mm-hmm. would you recommend today for a new seller who's really wanting to get started and get into the game? Look, when I started, uh, those 1,000 units that I I I got um, all up shipped. It was um, about ten thousand dollars, 
And uh, mm. then I had, um, like, I mean, I already knew that if I was uh, able to sell that, then I would uh, probably not have had Amazon, you know, pay me in full for that, um, the cost mm. at least. So mm. I would have to invest more. So that was always in the back of my head. But what I didn't expect at the time was that I would get a home run. And um, mm. yeah, so so like uh, you can say I, re- I invested about 10,000 during that time. Yeah. And uh, then I, ha- I was thinking to have uh, like if if my first product did well, mm-hmm. uh, my plan was to invest maybe you know another eighty to a hundred k for for the rest of the year on new products. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was all dependent on whether the first product <laughs> did well or not. So if I was you know starting all over again, uh, and I know it's going to be a harder harder than what it would have been back then i would um recommend at least starting with uh double that amount like 20k yeah and that's us yeah. and then yeah us and um and then have uh, another 20k uh, to make sure that if you did uh get a home run or mm. something like that then you have money to order the stock that's right while you're waiting to get paid by amazon for the stock that you're currently selling through like crazy that's actually a really yep. really good point and i think that's uh, the way that kevin king really talks about it so if you've got five thousand bucks uh-huh. you need to spend two thousand on inventory you need another two thousand up your sleeve to reorder immediately if things go well and then you need another grand or so to you know um, market and launch and do all that sort of fun stuff Yep. And look, you can, you can launch with, uh, less than that as well. I mean, if you, um, uh, you know, wanted less quantity, I'm sure you'll find some products in China or, you know, in Evo, especially. Yeah. But what, what it's not going to give you a lot of consistency. It's only to test the, test the waters. If you, if you really don't want to risk, uh, your money and you want to, you know, launch, a uh, few products you can do it with like you know eight ten products get in small quantity from evil market for instance mm. um, get it get them in a white box put some labels on it and just to just see you know mm. if, if it sells uh, by itself obviously you'll have to do uh, ppc and uh, you know get some yeah uh, do some giveaways to get reviews and that sort of stuff but mm. i i believe that's not what i would personally do because mm-hmm. it's it's going to take a lot longer for me it was I, I already know the system works and, and we know it from other sellers that the system truly does work. Yeah. Um, so it's all about, you know, doing your research, uh, due diligence and all that on any, any product you get into talk to more people, you know, find some friends who have, uh, who have already, I guess, um, you know, been doing well in this, in this business and run your product past them. It's not like mm. you have a home run. I mean, I had, I had, I saw on a Facebook post, um, the other day, this guy is saying he's got a home run, uh, and he wants some advice, um, on, and he's showing the jungle scout figures, but he's actually hiding the product, mm-hmm. but it isn't a home run until, you know, it is a home run. So you, you don't know what you're dealing with. So unless you show your product, there is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing anyone can advise based on some jungle scout, uh, statistics. Mm. So asking a few people, you know, around you and even your friends, family, you know, would buy it. Mm. buy this sort of product and you know some asking your friends in the u.s see what they think about it yeah that's so important you know um one of the i've been doing quite a lot of coaching in the last few weeks and months and i've actually got students that i've pushed over to pickfoo.com just to take a photo or or just get a, a, an image of what 
the design is of the product that they want to sell and mm. then and then sort of grab the top images of the top sellers their main images and kind of um basically split test and say of these you know three or four products which one would you pick and hope like crazy that they pick yours but um it it helps sort of before you even place an order you know spending 50 bucks on pickfu can can um quickly or you know sort of shortcut the whole pain of uh, i've just you know seen it in a product and people actually don't like the look of, of it or the design of it so yeah it's good to use data yeah i, I agree yeah absolutely like i mean if, you, if you're doing a launch and this is the first time you're doing it i mean even now i'm i'm was considering using pickfu myself although i haven't used it before mm. i have heard other sellers using it and if they're getting uh, good results out of it mm. so mm. yeah it's worth worth paying you know what's it like one dollar for um, someone's feedback yeah, i think uh, that's about which right. is and they kind of yep. they also give you comments as well as to why they chose you know one over another, which is pretty good too. Often, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. Just uh, if you don't want to fail, I guess it's best to get uh, more people's opinion mm. on on that. So um, mm. yeah, I mean, absolutely worth a shot. Let's take a step back because one thing I haven't asked yet mm. is the category that you sell in. It sounds are you still in the kitchen space? Yes, I, I am still uh, in Cate- the kitchen category. space, but I have, yeah, yeah but I have launched uh, sports products. I've I've tried uh, health and household category mm-hmm. as well, um, but majority of uh, you know it just so happens that once you uh, build a brand around um, a product, you know it's easier to market to your audience as well if you're launching the same kind of products. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. yeah, so I just had a um, really just the, the question was, you know, are you, it sounds like you are kind of mining quite deeply through the three categories or so that you're in and um, just staying in those spots. Mm-hmm. Do you do anything that's sort of where you need to have an ungated Amazon account? You know, if you're getting into grocery or, or health and beauty, that's sort of often with ointments and, and food, you've, you've got to get gated. Do you do anything around that or not? <laughs> I think I, I got ungated like ages ago. You know how Amazon mm. sometimes opens up certain categories, and I just heard about it in one of the one of the groups I was part of, and and at that time I got myself ungated in all the categories. But I know now it's different. You gotta buy receipts or something, or yeah. actually buy something from wholesalers. So yeah, yeah, a lot different now. It sure is. It's getting harder and harder and harder. You spent a little bit of time in Shenzhen, I think, late last year when you hurt yourself. I mean, we had a conversation where I think you hurt your knee or something. There was some crazy thing that you were doing over there. But, um, mm-hmm. but, but I think you, you rubbed shoulders with some Chinese sellers over there. How are they? A lot of these guys are scaling incredibly. Like, how are they doing mm-hmm. that? I guess they. I mean, it's it. It all comes down to the Chinese, uh, you know, way of uh, doing business. They are. Um, bigger uh, risk takers than than what we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. Like I mean, th- this happens all the time, uh, basically. So last year, I was um, I- I've been dealing with this freight forwarder, but um, you know, as longer you've been with someone for a customer, the less they um, you know start to respect you, and and um, we are just having some niggles with them. So. Um, I approached another freight forwarder that I had been talking to for a while mm-hmm. and she gave me extremely good quotes, like uh, way better than the one that we were using. Mm-hmm. And the one that we were using before um, was the cheapest one that I had come across comparing all, um, you know, all my friends, speaking to all my friends, comparing freighters, mm-hmm. 
comparing other um, forwarders that I met in Canton Fair, and I, I, you know, I met, I've gone through a lot of uh, freight forwarding companies, and her and her prices are already good, and now I've got a new freight forwarder who's giving me even better prices, like cutting her quotes by. Um, you know, more than five, six hundred dollars a container. Mm. Um, so yeah. So I, anyway, I, I sent a couple of sh- shipments through the new forwarder. I still had the old one as a backup because mm. I didn't want to, you know, Better get rid of her. I just wanted, yeah. I just wanted to have like a couple so that we don't have to depend on rely on one person. Mm-hmm. And then comes the time of the third shipment, and I got a quote. It was like way over uh, my other, like my old. Uh, old mm, folder, previous. Yeah. yeah. Previous folder was like mm. uh, you know seven eight hundred dollars more. And I was mm. like, what you know what happened? And she goes, oh, there's been you know the prices have changed. The freight company is asking more money, but it's not that. Basically, it's just the Chinese um, you know habit. What they do is they they get the customer uh, in cheaper, and then they put the price up on you. Mm. You know they they don't care. Point I'm making is you know you talked about uh, how Chinese are scaling quickly is um, because uh, that's their mindset. So they can go in with uh, products that uh, they may, may be making a loss on. They don't care because they uh, they want to basically survive the market when everyone else is going to get out of it. That's yeah. their that's their philosophy. So, so they would undercut you massively um, mm. on, on the prices. And some people like, you know, they're after uh, cheap products, buyers, you know, it, it's, the market is composed of different um, levels of products. You've got the cheap ones. You've got the expensive ones. It's mm. not necessary that the cheap ones are bad. So mm. the Chinese are um, targeting, in my opinion, that particular you know, sector of the market. And they're launching, like, obviously, they, they've got more money to invest than us. Like, we, like I said, we are, we are after short-term gains, whereas they are after long-term gains. Yeah. So they open more accounts. They are risk-takers. They know if one account gets shut down for them doing something uh, dodgy, then they can open up another, another. account. Yeah. They so can buy fake. Backup. Yeah, they've always got a, got a backup. And um, if you, if I've, I've spoken to quite a few sellers in China as well, and from what I've uh, been told that it's very easy to get a million dollars in, in loans as well um, mm. to, start, to start off a new Amazon business. That just turbocharges things, doesn't it? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, mm. so that's where I guess, you know, the more money you have and yeah. uh, the kind of mentality the Chinese people have. I mean, my wife is Chinese, so I've, I do know about this a lot. I've been going to China for a long time, way longer than, you know, we've mm. been doing this Amazon business. Mm. So it's it's all those things combined, you know, that's how they're able to scale. They have more accounts, they they buy reviews, you know, they, they undercut us. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, one seller, if, if they're selling, you know, garlic press, they might have... Um, the same company selling like 10 different kinds of garlic presses. Um, so dominating a niche. Yeah. What, no, they they seem, well, first of all, I think that there's, I mean, they have the speed of, of sourcing. So they've actually got all the factories and the sourcing agents all there next, literally rubbing shoulders with them mm-hmm. to start with. So their speed to market is a lot quicker than say an Australian who's ordering a sample and it takes a week to arrive and, you know, and then you've got another sample that's coming in and you've got to assess all these samples and then, you know, 
to and fro with your your supplier before you finally pull the trigger, and by then it's all too late almost. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, that, that's that's one uh, hind- hind- you know, hindrance that we have. Like if we get a sample uh, sent up, I mean, what what I do is I have I have some people in China who mm. can check the samples for me, so it it you know cuts, speeds that up. Speeds that yeah. up. Um, so, but before what I was doing is I was getting the products shipped here and then you got to wait, mm. you know, a week or two and, you know, do a due diligence. It, it's, it delays things basically. Mm. So mm. that's, that's on their side and, and they can source like products in small quantities as well. I was listening to a really interesting, um, interview that Michael Hartman did with Danny McMillan recently on Danny's excellent podcast, Seller Sessions. And Michael was talking about the fact that he, I think he'd been around with Howard uh, from the WeChat group that we're part of. And, and mm-hmm. um, Howard has sort of been giving him a tour of some of the big Chinese sellers there. There was, Michael was like, say, there was like 2,000 staff over about four floors. Each of the staff members there had upwards of 5,000 products that they were managing at any one time. And well, there were sort of teams of about three people who sort of took, control or had control over various aspects of these different brands with all the products within them and it was just the scale of what was happening you know just off the chart like the you know it's just it's a factory fba kind of business there was another sort of story that i heard too where um, some of the bigger sellers in shenzhen um, would basically at the end of the day look at what it's been sold and then mm-hmm. they would just they would literally just place orders um, on a daily basis and do just-in-time inventory, you know, sort of air freight shipments of products straight into Amazon FBA just to top up what it sold the day before. So, you know, it's just amazing stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, the work ethic um, of the Chinese is great. Um, I mean, I've, I've employed Chinese staff before in Australia um, as well as I've seen, uh, you know, the businesses in China, how they run. Like I've seen staff working till very late at night um, because they want to achieve something at the end of the day. Mm. Um, And a lot of them, you know, they have that mindset that if they did well in something, either the boss would look after them or they would start their own company in the, Mm. in the future. So they're, uh, they're honest towards themselves. So the work ethic is, um, you know, a lot. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And we we can't compete uh, because, you know, our work ethic is more like, uh, we come in at nine. We might come in a bit late, nine quarter past nine or something to work. But comes five o'clock, we wanna we wanna get out of the door. You know that's that's, right. the, that's the work ethic of most Australians. So so I think, and that's the kind you can't. I mean, I, I'm not sure about the Americans, but I, I guess it's much the same. Mm. And um, that's where you know another point of difference come as well. They're putting mm. their heart and soul towards it. I mean, how many times? Uh, I guess I've seen that I'm talking to my suppliers uh, even at nighttime, you know, I'm mm-hmm. at midnight, I'm, and it's still messaging. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously, US and China has a, a big, you know, time difference, time difference yeah. as, as well. And and my uh, friends in the US, they're, they're chatting in their time zone to the Chinese mm-hmm. when in China might be 2 a.m. or something like that. So, um, and they're still still responding. You know, the people who are really committed. They're they're still responding. So it's um, it's what makes China the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's for, right. For, for, this, for this sort of yeah. business, yeah, hundred percent. It's interesting that um, I mean, one of my suppliers uh, or, or agents, I suppose, um, for a, a business um, that I'm managing at the moment, she you know had a baby, and within three days was back on deck, and I was just trying to tell her to just just 
go and look after your baby. Stop talking to me. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she's she's getting yeah. in touch with me three days after she's given birth. It's just crazy stuff. Um, one thing we did touch on was just sort of the multiple accounts that some Chinese sellers have. It, there is a bit of black hat in China. Is that something that you know much about or do you want to talk about? Well, what's look, happening there? It's very easy to open multiple accounts. Basically, what they do is they get their employees to open accounts in their name. Mm. Um, and they use uh, 4G connections or they use, uh, you know, they call it super browsers or something like that. Mm-hmm. They use that to, uh, you know, get different IP addresses. There's no way Amazon is going to catch up to that mm. ever, in my opinion. Um but what I've heard lately is that the, the, Amazon has become a little bit strict in in uh, opening accounts for new sellers in China, and they some they just randomly deny without any explanation of why um, they did not open the account. But if mm-hmm. you know if they're doing that, um, I think Chinese will find another way. They'll open a company in, in you know places yeah. like Australia. You we we can open a company in five hundred dollars. You know they can do that. They can open an account here, get a cloud server. It's easy to do. So whatever Amazon does, it's almost impossible to fight the black hat. That's yeah. my opinion of it. It's a bit black uh, whack a mole, isn't it? And, uh, mm. and I'm actually, I've got some students that are really struggling to even open an account here in Australia, even with all the paperwork, absolutely perfect. So, Okay. What, what's the yeah. reason for denial? What, what, what's, did they give any reasons or? Uh, yeah, documentation or names don't match and you're just sitting there going, well, actually everything does match, you know. And okay. it's, just, it's just a random, like the randomization of seller account, sort of just trying to get them set up. I think the amount of hoops that Amazon really wants you to jump through to show that you are genuine you know, genuine about set, setting up an Amazon seller account is a lot more strict and a lot harder these days. So you really, you really got to prove yourself, I think, in by by getting a few knockbacks before um, they'll finally grant it to you. Yep. Um, yep. We've got all the tariff stuff happening too. Uh, so why don't we quickly touch on that? Where are you still sourcing directly from China and Canton Fair Action, or are you now starting to look further afield? I haven't. Like last year, I went to India. Uh, at um, an exhibition there, but I found it was uh, like I, I couldn't source the kind of products we sell over there. I went for the pure reasons of looking at another market. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a different, um, you know, subset of products, I guess. Um, but I haven't looked at, like seriously looked at markets other than China for the products that we already selling on Amazon. I, I couldn't find the yeah. same products in India, basically. Mm-hmm. Um but with the tariffs coming in play, I guess um, at the end of the day, I guess U.S. consumers will have to pay more price for it because the factory. I mean, if if Donald Trump, whatever he's trying to do, encourage um, you know more factories in America or whatever, uh, it's not like overnight they can just start manufacturing the hot sell items on Amazon. It's just not possible. No. Um, so I think at the end of the day, like if we put our prices up, I mean, we have to put our prices up if this happens. And yeah. um, the end of the day, the consumers are going to pay more. Mm. Uh, the Amazon buyers are going to pay more. That That's what's probably going to happen, I, I, yeah. I reckon. Leron Hirschkorn has got an approach where he encourages his, and I think Chris Davey does this as well from FBA for you, but they've been sort of talking about how to, well, basically asking the supplier for 8.3% off mm-hmm. uh, to, to shave 83 As a seller, we 
shave off 8.3% and then we pass on a 8.3% price rise to consumers to try and spread the 25% across the sort of three parts of the chain. And um, that seems to have been quite an effective strategy for some sellers or that that's sort of how they're starting to tackle it. So they're having those difficult conversations with suppliers and, yeah. Having to put their prices up. What, what's the logic they, behind eight eight point three though? Eight point three percent. Well, eight point three times three is twenty five percent, which is the tariff rate. Okay. So, so it's sort of trying to split the twenty five into thirds to to try and um, spread their load and and have a as lower okay. impact on the final price to consumers as possible. And I thought that was quite a good tip. So, like freight forwarders, eight point three, and then supplier eight point three. That might be an option as well. I don't know whether freight forwarders want to get up in the actual sort of you know mm. product supply chain, but I suppose it might look as no harm in asking. You know, if you can mm. get them to drop their price a little bit okay. too. Interesting. Yeah, just an might idea. Might need to might need to watch your podcast for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right, so launching products for you. How? Mm. What's your sort of strategy around that? Are you sort of more now moving towards a sort of a strict PPC type launch or are you still in the, I'm going to discount like crazy and use a bunch of promo codes and use my own uh, launching, you know, uh, I guess audiences or how, you, how are you launching products today? Uh, look, I've, I've never believed in massively discounting the products um, because that sort of undervalues um, your product. So I think it's always best to stick to um, what your competition is doing. So if you, if you think you're in premium end of the market and your uh, competitor is also in the premium end of the market, he's selling it for $35, uh, $35 at launch time, you might want to sell it at $32 or, or something around that so, mm-hmm. that margin I, I won't drop it um to you know 25 dollars or or less because what i've seen is even if you did do that um in my experience uh it doesn't help your sales uh conversions and um also sometimes you might lose the buy box altogether so you have mm-hmm. to um, gradually increase it by two dollars two dollars each time to get mm-hmm. to the buy box which can be a very time consuming process so sure, I've, never, yeah. I've never believed in that strategy. But what I have always done is I've focused on on perfection. So I have uh, a team of VAs, uh, virtual assistants uh, based in, you know, Philippines, most of them are. And mm-hmm. um, I focus, I've got a full-time designer in the team and mm-hmm. we focus on having the best picks and we always critique our picks amongst our own team members but maybe we should start using PicFu as well. <laughs> we we make sure like we put our pictures against our competitors. We check the mobile view. We check the desktop mm-hmm. view, uh, the search That's term, right. and then mm-hmm. see how visually we look, especially for the hero image. You know, the main image is the most uh, important of all. So we make sure it's, it's the best. And then uh, the next part is like um, having the title, uh, you know, also uh, optimized uh, for mobile because in, in mobile, I think it's the first 80 characters or something that, that show up. So you you want to have your best selling points, like the advantages uh, mm. put in, put it right in the front, you know. So if you're selling uh, a garlic press, you know, and, and your one is um, stainless steel, like surgical grade stainless steel, you could put surgical mm. grade stainless steel, garlic yeah. press or rest free garlic press something mm. like that so you know have a perfect copy the perfect listing um you should have done a deep analysis of your competitor reviews to get the best 
points um, out of those mm-hmm. reviews. Actually, Helium 10 is quite good for that. It helps you extract all the reviews quite quickly and you can uh, analyze the the good ones, the neutral ones, and, you know, the bad reviews and, the bad. and show, yeah. show the advantages in your, in your listing where they're clearly visible. So, so we, we launched that and then like we, we make sure all that is done. Um, and then um, apart from that, we also uh, make sure that our, uh, be giving a good experience overall uh, of the product. Mm-hmm. So we make sure our packaging is, you know, top notch, uh, well done and um, our instruction sheet has every absolutely everything uh, that they would want to know about you know even sometimes we add frequently asked questions and that sort of mm. stuff um, or in the second round of the product when we have built on the frequently asked questions we will add that to our instruction sheet as um, or mm. we would sometimes add another uh, pamphlet or something on the side so, mm. so they have that separate thing as well so they're not bugging us with questions so it's about giving an overall experience uh, to the person who opens the, the package that this is a premium product and then as they mm. open they take the product out of the package as well it should match with the the box as well the packaging as well it, it can't be like only your packaging is good but product inside is shit so yeah, yeah. So it's giving, giving <laughs> the overall experience and that's going to help you with your reviews ultimately as well. Because when people get that good experience, then they would post better reviews. And, mm. and what we did find, um, I did this analysis, um, I think it was uh, probably going back 2017 now when we could actually extract the identity of the, of the reviewers using tool like, uh, tools like uh, Lion Cow and stuff like that. Um, mm. I got down a list of pretty much all um, the people who were leaving reviews for us. And I looked mm. at when they bought the product and I saw a majority of the people who did um, review our product had reviewed it within 10 days of actually making the purchase on Amazon, not from the time it was delivered, but when it was actually purchased. Whereas, mm. a, whereas a, like I think it was like 80% of them reviewed it within like five or six days. So it's That's like... Great. Yeah, and and that's what happens, you know. When you have bought a new product, you excite, you're really excited about it. It's all fresh in in your head, you know. Just like mm. you buy a new car, but then after a while, it just becomes uh, part of the car, part of the yeah. furniture, you know. So so you just want to um, give them a full experience, and then you want to hit them with a review request. That's mm. how my strategy has has always been, and, and we we keep improving on this, you know. Like I said mm. about the FAQ and all that, you always gotta keep innovating, keep improving, keep asking ourselves the questions, what could I do better uh, this time around? So we learn from our mistakes as well. <laughs> a couple of final questions before we sign off. Um, mm-hmm. Is it just the USA that you sell in or are you in other marketplaces? We sell in, in Europe as well. I've recently started in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in the Europe, we, our numbers are not phenomenal just because we haven't been, we've only got like three or four ASINs in there. So haven't really put a, put full focus in, in the Europe market as yet. Maybe, maybe we should. An Australian market, um, mm. it's uh, just started. Like I, I can't say I've had phenomenal sales out of it. It will probably like <laughs> talking 10 sales, uh, a month or something across like five basins without, without putting any effort because there's no PPC in, in, in Australia as well. So, but I, I think it'll eventually pick up. Things will pick up. 
Yeah, it's coming. Mm-hmm. They've they've released an advertising tab in Amazon Australia, but it's just for lightning deals, mm-hmm. which are kind of you've got to apply. And most product most people's products don't don't actually you know make it through the grade to to become eligible. But uh, and they're also there. and they're also adding like uh, my products by themselves, like from getting it from the global you know channel or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. And some of my products I saw I was selling in. Um, in Australia for like $69 one of one of the items and and when wow. Amazon was uh, selling it they're, they're selling for 99 and and there's people are still buying it <laughs> directly mm. from from Amazon so <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that because I can't justify bringing a lot of stock into Australia because of the cost of bringing in yeah. small quantities and, right. and if people are buying paying more for it then maybe you know that's a good thing we'll let it build up and then in future if it it goes does well we'll just start selling it mm. ourselves what a good idea mm. max thanks so much for coming on uh, the show today it's been amazing just to um to get your story and and get some of your amazing tips particularly around optimizing for mobile that's probably the key takeaway mm-hmm. for me so yeah and oh, well there's there's actually lots the loss leader approach that the chinese are using is really interesting mm-hmm. um yeah, so just and the, and and also just the effort that you've got with your packaging. I love that idea about FAQs, and uh, yeah, it's been been amazing. Great tips there, and I can't wait to uh, <laughs> try some of these out for my own business uh, on Facebook on Amazon. So yeah, that's brilliant. Um, hey, listen, you're a part of the Australian Seller Family on Facebook, so yeah. I I guess um, I mean you don't have a web page or anything crazy like that. I think we spoke off air about it, but um, so so if people are okay to uh, or want to ask you a question, would you mind answering a few questions through the Australian Seller Facebook group? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they can, uh, I guess, tag me on the on the post or something and I'll surely try my best to answer. I, I just don't have a page at the moment because I'm not, you know, doing any coaching. Yeah. I just don't have, have the time for it as well. <laughs> no, but not sound like it. Yeah, but uh, look, I mean, who knows in future, you know. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Maybe we should team up and do something amazing together. Yeah, and thanks, thanks very much for having me as well, Chris. That was, uh, you know, great tips from you as well about that eight point three percent and a few more <laughs> things. So definitely, I gotta, you know, see that podcast that uh, you talked that about. Leah and Leah yeah. talked about. I'll, I'll send you a link after the show. I'll put it in the show notes. Actually, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.